Kirsty, welcome to Kiana's Conversations. It's uh, great to have you here today uh, celebrating International Women's Day. Uh, perhaps you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and your current role. Yeah, no, sure. Thank you for having me as well, Don. Um, I'm delighted to be here. Um, so I am a partner in a law firm called Adishaw Goddard. Um, I'm based in the Edinburgh office. I specialise in English real estate. Um, so um, I've been a partner there for, I think it's 18 years. No, I've been there 18 years and I've been a partner 16 of those. Um, and I think an equity partner um, I'm possibly ten of those now, so it's been, it's been a long time. So yeah, so I have so I have a quite a senior role in 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 the law firm. I run a big team out of Edinburgh and advise on commercial real estate transactions throughout the UK. Um, most of my clients are based in London, so um, the transactions that I advise on are fairly hefty um, and um, pretty interesting. So I travel around a lot and around the UK. Um, Otherwise, they based it up in Edinburgh. Yeah, and and just how how big is that team that you lead? So the team is about, um, I mean, it, it varies, but there's maybe about fifteen um, sort of lawyers that are sort of directly reporting into me. Yeah, and um, I, I noticed just just reading in terms of uh, Adelshaw Goddard seem to be very committed to to the the, the gender um, gender equity and. Uh, can you just tell absolutely. us a little bit about the business and 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 that that philosophy and where it's come from? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's um, it's a it's a great firm in terms of um of gender issues. Um, we do huge amounts of it. Um, it's a sort of regular talking point, and um, it's a huge um driver in terms of um, I guess why people come to work for us, and and you know just it sort of underlies everything that we. Um, we believe in terms of the firm. I mean, there's I mean, it's a huge law firm. It's a big international law firm. It's 350 partners now. Um, but I've just actually come back from the partners conference, and there's there was just so many women there now um, in partnership roles, which is absolutely fantastic to see. Um, obviously, still more to do. There's always more to do, and there's definitely not enough equity female partners. But um, in terms of law firms and in terms of places where. Um, you could work as a as a female lawyer. It's, it's certainly um, up there with the best of them. Um, there's, I mean, there's lots of things that they're doing that are um, sort of creating that sort of atmosphere. But I suppose the main thing for me, and I think that the main thing that I think really works in terms of actually getting women um, to stay in the legal profession and work their way up to the top of the legal profession, is just having really powerful role models at every stage. Um, I think that's probably one of the most important things um, in terms of actually being able to drive the the women to retain their places in the profession. Because the thing about law is that um, it's one of these professions where huge amounts of women go into it. And we're, you know, I think the vast majority of law students now are female. So um, but that's not yet filtered through until the, sort of the very top of these law firms yet. There's still a bit of way to go. I mean, I think it is just time now. Um, but we still, um, in the legal firm, legal profession, we still lose women. We probably start to lose them in their 30s and 40s, which obviously coincides with the time when women start having children. Um, there's definitely still more work to do in terms of how do we reconcile the fact that women are still usually the primary carers in um, in family life, um, and how how do they how do they manage to retain their careers whilst they're so busy in that caring role, particularly obviously when children are small, um, 
that's what's one of the, the hardest bits I think that we still haven't quite got our sort of heads around and, and there's lots of work that's sort of done around that um, and things like shared parental leave are really helpful now but there still needs to be a sort of change of mindset I think in terms of the just the traditional sense that the women take their caring role um, and that's I think obviously if you know you, you can encourage more men to take up the shared parental leave that will in time mean and, and I have to say I mean it has moved on so much I mean and men are you know obviously t- doing so much more in terms of the caring side but um, it's still not there and it's not there enough to allow women to really free themselves of that sort of impl- implied role that they seem to have I mean and it's funny because I think gender obstacles are um they are still there despite the fact that we're, there's lots of things that are sort of you know trying to help women um, in terms of retaining their place in the career ladder. But so these gender obstacles are often invisible things and they're often in people's minds and often is in a woman's mind as much as a man's mind in terms of actually what they think they should be doing. And there's a sense of responsibility that I think women have outside the workplace that often will mean that they have to sometimes take a step back from their careers um, for a while. Which is fine, because you know what? We've worked for a long time now, actually. And, you know, I think one thing we should always bear in mind is that careers are really long. And actually, the time that your children are small is actually very short. So I think there also needs to be some thought given to the fact that women should be able to take, you know, a few years out or, you know, just a few years to step back. And that should make no difference to the career, because actually, as I say, it's, it's a long time. Um, that you're working and we need to kind of move away from the mindset that that's going to in any way really prejudice a long-term career because it's not. Um, that's great. You're, uh, you're, you're touching upon many of the issues that I want to explore with you actually as we okay. go forward. So that's, that's been a fantastic starting point. Uh, just in terms of some of the statistics, it's, it's quite difficult to get it down. But as you say, uh, over 60% of entrants now to, to the legal profession are, are women. Uh, and, and yet, as you said, um, only 30% of senior positions are made up of women, although Adelshaw-Goddard uh, bucks that trend quite significantly. Mm-hmm. So I think that's an interesting context for us going forwards. But yeah. I, I'd like to maybe just start then, uh, we, we call it uh, exploring your hinterland, just to talk a little mm-hmm. bit about yourself, uh, your uh-huh. own background. Uh, can you tell us about just, just where from yourself? Where do you come from? Uh, yes, yeah, sure. So I come from the Scottish Borders. Um, so I come from a place called Edelston, which is very near a place called Peebles, which is about half an hour south of Edinburgh. So, um, so yeah, so I grew up in, in the countryside, really, um, and um, just went to the local state school, Peebles High. Um, I had very, um, I was very lucky, I think. And actually, I mean, I, I, I had very ambitious parents and had very, not pushy parents, but I guess p- parents that really believed in me and always, um basically told me that I could do anything I wanted to and I didn't ever question whether the, uh, the fact that I was a female would make any difference to that that just was never in the conversation so I think I was always sort of filled with a lot of self-belief and confidence which I can see now was just invaluable actually I think also I was um I came from um a line of what well, my parents met at university my granny went to university so I you know I'd seen my granny have a career um and which I think is probably quite unusual when I think back now and I and my mum always worked she was a um always huge role model to me she was a working mum when no one else had working mums and um she was a head teacher um and which was funny because I think I just took it for granted but it was only really when I went to university and I realised that she was probably the only mum out of all the friends I made that actually had a job I realised that actually what I 
had at home in terms of role models is quite unusual, but a huge impact. And I think that's, again, what I say. I think the impact of role models is just insane in terms of actually how you can build somebody's confidence and self-belief if they can actually see themselves in um, in somebody else who has succeeded. So I think I was very, very lucky with that in terms about, of a yeah, sort of a start yeah. in life. What would be what would be your your mum's key values that you think that, that she's actually passed on to you? So huge work ethic, um, which I think, and again, I think just that in itself is just something that is invaluable. And and that I suppose I'll, I mean it's I'll touch on it, but I mean I think one of the reasons why I have been able to be successful in my career is that I was I will have a sort of huge work ethic, and I think women unfortunately I mean it's not it's not so much now things have improved so much because this is not about me having a moan about things because actually things have improved so much so I've I've been had my career has been spent in quite an interesting time and I've seen the changes quite rapidly and you know um but one thing that I did have to do certainly when I was younger and when I was um especially trying to get partnership and you know that was during me having babies and whatnot was having to work twice as hard as everybody else to prove myself so I think my mum's work ethic and the fact that um I kind of always knew I mean, hard work was just you know unquestionably just something that you did it was just no there was no question that was what you did to succeed in life so I always equated hard work with success so I think that probably served me quite well um and I think also just um bucking the trend in terms of seeing a woman like my mum having a full-time job whilst having children um which at the time was quite unusual but just actually seeing that you know she was prepared to push the boundaries and just um you know follow what she wanted to do regardless of the fact that it wasn't necessarily what everybody else was doing at the time so I think that as well is probably um quite important but I think yeah most of all is probably just having an insane work ethic and but also seeing that um, she loved having her own money so she could buy her own clothes and having that sort of, you know, independence that having your own career gives you, which I just loved as well. And all those kind of small things actually start to kind of impact quite heavily, I think, in terms of actually how you then go forward yourself. Yeah. And could just just mentioning of, you, of your, your father, what, what influence did he have in terms of opening up that aspiration and ambition for yourself? So again, so so he was um he was one of my biggest cheerleaders in that um I mean I, he was they were you know they're both pretty strict in terms of it was you know it was very much you had to work you very much were going to university you were very much going to have a profession I think actually interesting one thing my dad so my dad was a, a mathematician scientist and um he so he studied maths at university and he was very clear for there was three of us that we were all going to do a sort of professional type degree. So law or medicine, basically, because he just felt that anything else um, you just it was it was not as easy to sort of slip into a sort of professional type role. So I think he just had very kind of clear mind in terms of that. So that he probably had the responsibility for me picking law, to be honest. Um, but actually, and, and I'm actually hugely thankful now because um, it's been a fantastic career for me and I absolutely love it. But um, that was probably one of his biggest um, influences in terms of my life <laughs> it doesn't sound great in him actually sort of trying to dictate what I was going to do but having said that it's actually worked out very very well so he can have credit for that 
doesn't sound like they've dictated at all. I think it's just with those opportunities. Yeah, yeah, no, I think so. Yeah, yeah. And I think just really had gave me a huge amount of self-belief, as I say. I think it said at the start, he just I think there was always a sense that we were always, you know, built up to believe in ourselves and to believe that we could do anything we wanted to do and that we should always aim for the top. And that was very much kind of instilled and drummed in. Um, you know, and always do your best, always aim for the top. You know, that's that was always drilled in. And there was never any question that we weren't going to be successful, I think, as well. So I think trying to instill that sort of self-belief in children is important and certainly something that I try and do with my own children. Um, you know, don't put don't there shouldn't be any barriers. If you want to do something, you should go for it. Okay, looking back to your own school days and peoples, can mm-hmm. you think of of um friends that you had who were perhaps more limited by the expectations or uh, that were placed on them perhaps by family or if you like the lack of expectations um, yeah no I, I suppose um I suppose so yeah there was I mean there was I think I was well, I was lucky in that my parents were just always clear that I was going to go on to further education um there was no question that that was going to be my pathway and but you know that was so that was you know sort of early 90s I guess um, and yes, sure, there was friends of mine that um, weren't pushed to go on to further education. And that was probably more due and pro- you know, quite easily could have and would now. But I think that was more due to the fact that probably their parents had and they probably just didn't really understand the value of that necessarily. So I think that I was, as I say, I was lucky that my parents had gone, had been down that route already. So it was just a sort of no brainer. But um, yeah, certainly being pushed um, by my parents into um, that avenue was I was I was very lucky. I, was, I can see now I was very very lucky with my upbringing, my parents. You're obviously doing the same as a parent yourself, but um, yeah, let's, uh... not as pushy. But I think the, the <laughs> but the thing about my children is is that and I, this is another thing about you know um, I guess the whole working mother thing is um, they they have me as a role model and. Um, they see everything that I've been able to give them through my career and that has hugely motivated them to want to do well and be successful. So again, it's the role model thing. It's so powerful. So so, so going on forwards, going going to university, mm-hmm. what, was, what was the gender mix when you were at university? So I think it was probably more 50-50 then, to be honest, in the 90s. Yeah. But um, I know now... Um, it's it's much more swayed towards I mean, I know some law schools it's almost 80 percent female and um, it was it was much more 50 50 and i didn't think about gender to be honest at university i just i mean i wasn't really thinking about gender at all at school or university yeah. it really wasn't in my sort of psyche it was really only once i got into actually my kind of legal jobs that it became more of a um a thing once i started to think about sort of career progression but no at university um gender wasn't an issue um at all um I can't remember it being an issue. Well, let's 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 just move straight into your your career then and, and profession in terms of what what did what did you encounter or what did you observe in terms of of um, not not necessarily discrimination, but what were there what were the issues that you encountered or observed in relation to to gender in the legal profession when you started? Um. So. I think it's what you do a traineeship when you're um, to become a, a qualified lawyer. So I did a traineeship for two years in Glasgow. And um, I suppose the one thing I was really aware of in my firm was that there was only one female partner. And I was very lucky to work with that one female partner who she was a huge inspiration, actually, to me. Um, but I saw how hard she had to work. She had small children at the time and I saw how hard she had to work to manage her job and to manage her children. 
and that did frighten me a bit um because it was quite, it wasn't clear to me that she was very happy doing it so that was she was a great role model in that I thought she was wonderful but she also it was a sort of cautionary tale as it were in terms of how does this actually work because this looks like an absolute nightmare um I think I then moved to London and I worked in a big city firm um, for about five years. And that's when I really started to um, see the problems because I had my first baby down there and um, I had, I mean, it wasn't, he wasn't planned. It wasn't really part of the, um, wasn't a plan at all, but it's, so, I, so when I, so I went off to have him and um I had to make an application for coming back and how my, what, what my role was going to be and what my hours were going to be. And I, I tried to, I applied for doing a three-day week because I was, I was just very worried about how I was going to manage nursery and transport. And there was no remote working at all then. It was all just, you had to be in the office. And anyway, um, so I, I came back and I, they didn't really want to give me three days a week, but they did. Um, and I started it and it was an absolute nightmare. Um, I got absolutely no support on these two days when I wasn't working. So I ended up just working for, you know, the whole time. But I was having to do, I had Blackberries in. So I was doing two days of work on a Blackberry with a baby and it was just horrible. Um, so within a few months, I had to go back to the firm and say, look, I need to do more. I'll do four days. And that's that's what I then settled on. And that actually worked OK. Um, and then I went off to have another baby. Um, and I remember at the time, the partner that I worked with, um, when I was saying bye to them, when I was off to go and have Orla, um, he said, thank you, Christy, so much for showing me how this can work. Because at that time, none of the partners believed that you could essentially work part time as, as a lawyer. And I I had spent, I don't know, whatever it was, a year and a half between the babies working like an absolute slave to that firm. Um, because I was basically doing my full time job in four days and I was working sort of twice as hard as I really needed to just to show them that I could make this work because I felt so grateful for having this one day where I didn't actually have to come into the office. So I, I, I knew then that I was never going to be able to be a partner in that firm because there was no female partners in that firm with children and it just didn't seem possible. Um, and it's crazy now because that firm now is full of women that have babies and careers but you know 20 years ago they just could not see how that would be possible anyway um I then came back up to Scotland and um I joined the firm that I'm in now and yes I um then had another baby <laughs> um and um I remember having a conversation actually before I had that other baby I remember having a conversation with my then boss about um becoming a partner because I was very keen to become a partner and um he sort of just laughed at me and said Christian I don't think we're really ready for that now um we couldn't possibly have a partner that you know worked part-time like you do work part-time I was doing four days a week again I was working and hours were probably twice anything else and I just thought oh my goodness um this is unbelievable because even I at that point started to know that listen this isn't this isn't fair but it was still again it was the sorts of things that you just got told it was it just wasn't going to be possible you can't be a female partner with children and work part-time and whatnot it's just it's just not possible um but then actually what ended up happening was I went off to have my third child and I got promoted to a partner whilst I was on maternity leave so things changed quite rapidly um 
And then um, I think I then went back full time, to be honest. And that was really the only way that I managed to manage my work as a partner and manage children. And actually, that's when life got a lot easier for me when I accepted that actually my role was a full time role rather than a part time role. Um, I did try every single different way of working in between. Um, and to be fair to the firm, they were very supportive in terms of trying different things out with me. But um, I think the, the most frustrating thing was that um, I was still sort of normally on a four-day week so I was still getting paid for a four-day week even though I was again working a lot more than a four-day week and again that that was a sort of thing that was kind of difficult but I was so determined at this point that and I knew in my heart that I loved my career and I wanted to do this and I just thought I'm just gonna have to get through these few years and it will be fine and actually it that's exactly what happened but it was it's you know the struggle was real in terms of trying to manage and juggle I suppose that's probably the most difficult point in my career I think is when it all was just um, insanely busy because I was trying to build a practice and work very hard and was had small children lived down the borders worked in Edinburgh and um, was trying to work a bit part-time to actually have a bit of like normality with my children and my friends my baby friends and kids friends um, and actually and then actually I ended up having another baby which was just ridiculous so I mean I mean it's obviously a sucker for punishment and I have to say probably my own worst enemy so I can't really moan too much um, because I kept getting pregnant but anyway um, I ha- after I had baby number four, I um, I realised that actually having looking after four children was an absolute nightmare, and I just needed to get back to the office as quickly as possible. So I had a very short maternity leave at baby number four, and then came back to my career and just kind of went for it at that point. I've said all this, and this is I'm kind of missing the the point here that I was very very lucky in that. Um, but you know the part the, the firm that I came to here believed in me they saw who I was they obviously made me a partner when I was in maternity leave which is probably unheard of and then much more common now but they were very much behind me and that the other thing that was in my favour in terms of actually managing all these hurdles was that I had a huge amount of help at home which was my mum and dad were basically looking after my children for me as well um, and also my partner Ted um, worked at home too and what we did was when I decided to go full time, he flipped to part time. So we kind of did a reversal of roles. So that whole book about leaning in and you know leaning in and getting as much help as possible, I kind of I was leaning in before leaning in was invented. I just basically took as much help as I could possibly get because in my mind I knew that actually I was much better working on my career than I was trying to sort of do a bit of it and then do a bit of the children. I was better just really focusing in on the career. Which is a bit sad because you think, you know, because then obviously women, you, you know, the whole time you're, you know, you've got this all this guilt at the same time thing. I should be spending more time with my kids and I should be spending less time in my career. So you've got all that female guilt as well. And at the time I was thinking, oh, God, what am I doing? I look back now, though, and I have absolutely no regrets because I look at my children and they are very, very well adjusted children who, you know, obviously went to nursery early, looked and were looked after by the parents who actually their grandparents who now they have a great relationship with. I'm very lucky that I had that option. Um, but also are very independent or just, you know, just get on with things. We have a, and are, are very, and, and actually they really have benefited hugely from my career. They love the fact that we know that I've got this career. They're very proud of me. They love the fact that we can afford to go on nice holidays, et cetera, et cetera. They appreciate all those things. So they can very much see the direct correlation between the way that I've worked and what I've done and actually the lives that I've g- given them. So, um, so yeah, the guilt is not there now, but the guilt was there then, and that is a, that is another reason why women often fall out of the profession because they just feel it's too much, and they feel the trade off is too much, and the trade off is the the biggest thing, and you you know you there is a, a care trade off, and it's you know you have to be quite 
a resolute, I suppose, to sort of try to shut that down and not think about that whilst you are doing that perceived trade-off. All I can say is it was, I think it's ultimately worth it. But I think at the time when you're going through that period of children career, it feels like it's a very long time. I know now in the context of a long career, it's a very short time. And it's, you know, that's why now I think, you know, I'm glad I just got my head down and just got through it, even though it was hell at some points. But um, for some people, it's just too much and they, they, they don't, they're not able to see the other side of it. It's not, it seems too far away. And that's when you often lose people. So that's the bit that law firms and not any other profession really need to be looking after their women and actually working with them to just try to support them as much as possible because not everyone's going to have the support that I had at home. And I'm conscious that actually I hope, you know, a huge amount of my career success to all those people at home that were doing everything for me whilst I was fevering away building my practice. You, um, Sorry, it's a very long answer. <laughs> no, 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 it, it, it's fantastic. Uh, uh, just really uh, great to hear. But you introduced something, you, you mentioned something that wasn't fair and, and a recurring theme is, You've kind of had to work twice as hard, uh, but I think going back to your upbringing, you know that you were almost hardwired to do that. Yeah, there must have been and, many. Yeah, there must have been so, many. So, so I just did it, and I, I mean, it, yeah. I, knew, I knew, I knew there was a sort of inherent unfairness, but it wasn't something that actually made me bitter or angry because I, it was, it is just part of me, and I still work very, very hard. So, but what about the, what about those colleagues, female colleagues that you worked with? That I guess. Um, you know, ha- didn't have necessarily that that capacity or or even the home support to be able to do it. What what happened to those those individuals? You know, earlier in your career, who kind of were on the same track as you. So, so that's the hard thing is is that they don't all they've not you know not everyone makes it um, this far um, for different reasons. I mean, not everyone wants it. So you know, you have yeah. to sort of accept yeah. that this is not for everybody. It's sort of demanding job. Um, but often these people um, would just leave the profession. The thing about now, though, and the difference now is that there's so many more options for people. And um, this is why, I mean, I'm really sort of enthused and very positive about the future. I mean, the, the one thing that um, that COVID really gave us was you know huge amounts of flexibility in terms of work. And obviously tech just had to be fast forwarded. But what it really allowed me to do was... You know, we've now got people working in our team that live in Wales and in Paris. And, and these are people that went off and did other things or had children or whatever and, and just thought that they that was it. They, their career with us was over. Um, so, for instance, I've got um, a girl that works in South Wales for me. She went off She to move to South Wales and she's got three children down there. And um, she she left us when she um, she moved down to South Wales with her husband. And um, I got back in touch with her and um, just said, would you like to come back and work with us? And now she works for us um, remotely from her office in her house in South Wales. And she works shorter hours and round term times and whatnot. So she's got a very kind of flexible. So we basically created a job for her. She's now and she's a sort of transactional support lawyer. So she kind of works behind the scenes more for us. So she's not having to deal with clients face to face, which allows her to just sort of fit her hours around her life. Those sorts of things mean that women um, that we would have otherwise lost to the profession have been able to stay and build a career and we've been able to be much more flexible in terms of career paths and what we can offer women so yeah not everyone's going to be a partner um, but we now have lots and lots of different ways of keeping people working in the profession because partners not everything there's so many other roles in terms of you know a law firm that we, that we can offer people and um, 
and and the tech has really allowed us to um, think much more differently about how we can keep women working with us um, throughout that period, particularly when children are small. Um, so it's so that, so I'm sort of quite positive that there's there's a lot that we're doing now. I mean, there's more that we will do, but there's a lot we can now do to offer women um, just different choices whilst their children are small in particular. So hopefully that will help us retain people. And as the career ladder is now much longer, much more elongated. So again, those women may then come decide when their children are bigger. Do you know, actually, I want to now think about something that's a bit more demanding and maybe I'd like to think about the whole partner partnership progression thing. And so so those sorts of things now are much more possible than they ever were. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd like to explore that. Um, th there is this, I, I suppose, it's an, an assumption that um, as the as the numbers come through, the the imbalance in terms of partners and equity partners and legal firms will change. Um, but but do you actually think that will be the case, or or are there forces at work that actually will kind of retain that male dominance? In, in... Um, no, I think it will change actually, and we we are really really big on this. So um, we've the, 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 that's been one of the biggest problems with the um, the numbers on the equity partnership, and we have got targets every year to improve that and every year we're hitting our targets so every year we're bringing more women into equity which is fantastic um you know i i think it's um i mean it's, i think law firms are, are are i think are quite unusual in that there's there's so many women that work in law firms it's it's just it, it's not a it doesn't feel and certainly i mean i'm talking about adult laws but i don't think this is the case in many law firms it doesn't feel like a male-dominated business anymore um, it does feel like a business where women can thrive. Um, it doesn't feel like um, a place where um, there are perceived um, barriers in terms of progressing right to the top. Um, we have a lot of women on our board. Um, we have a lot of women in leadership positions. We have so many amazing female partner role models. And we have a lot of fantastic women coming through. So I think it is just a matter of time, to be honest. Um, and I th so I think law firms are probably they maybe uh, they're certainly doing quite well. I think I think I would say that they are they know what they need to do. Um, and I think it's just time with law firms. I think that women make excellent lawyers. I would say that. But I really do think they make excellent lawyers. So there is no reason why we can't sort the equity imbalance out, I think, within, you know, five to 10 years, really, just given the sort of talent that's coming through. Um, but I mean, the, the the biggest issue, it's it's not the male dominance. It's not the kind of perception that um, women can't make it. It's, the problem is, is, is when you're starting to lose the good people, um, you know, in that sort of 30 to 40 bracket where, which is the point when you start to really want to accelerate them in terms of um, partnership and, um, and whatnot. Um, so it's it's trying to persuade women to um, to just keep going and you know fight for the part not fight that's the wrong word you don't want to fight but 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 do focus on the partnership if that is indeed what they want it's not for everyone though so I mean and and that's the other thing and it may you know you might have a there might be a sort of men might raise actually not so many women want to become equity partners but I would probably argue with that um, so I think it's um. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm not worried about that. I think that's okay. I do think that's yeah. that's going to fix itself. And, and how do you personally go about persuading colleagues? I mean, I'm, I'm thinking if I was a, a young female lawyer, it must be fantastic to have someone like you as as my as my <laughs> boss. But how how do you go about it other than just role modelling, just behaving as you do? What do you what do you consciously do in your conversations and 
the way in which we you engage with lot. it. Yeah, so we do talk about it a lot, we, and we run a lot of a lot of seminars. We have a lot of um, of speakers in. We, I mean, I really believe hugely in the need for bringing the men along on this, and really, you know, getting men to to support us on the journey. Um, I think. Um, it is about making gender equality a business issue, and I think it is, it is about education and it's about explaining to people why it's really important to build balanced teams, um, have balanced um, numbers in terms of gender balance and just really ultimately normalise gender balance, especially in the leadership roles. Um, it's a senior leadership that I think is where we generally need to I think it's really really important to see the female roles um being sort of infiltrated in those in those areas um because I think again it's 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 the hidden barriers it's the it's the perception that it, you know the, that somebody a leader needs to be white male a 50 something that needs to be broken down it has been broken down to an extent but there's still I think is this sort of unconscious bias towards what does a, a leader look like and I think that's the issue um and I say I think law firms are better than a lot of places in terms of cracking this. And I, I mean, I really don't think about gender day to day in my role and my job at all. Um, so but I but I still think that, you know, it's if we could get more women into those senior roles, that's that really helps break the barriers. But that's across every company, every profession, because that will stop that unconscious bias as to what does a leader look like. Um, and what does a leader sound like and how does a leader act? And those things are just so inbuilt in people you know they're in people's dna just because that's how people have been brought up to see these you know leadership is this is this man that's you know got this certain way of talking and has a certain look um and it's that that needs to be broken down i think um but that's quite a difficult one to break down because that goes right, right back to people's childhoods and you know what they so been what's been soaked into them um and you know, there's you know still a lot to be said in terms of how we bring up men, boys, and how we bring up girls, and I mean all that sort of stuff as well. I mean, it's really complex. It's not straightforward to change those perceptions, but um, it's but a lot of this I do think is time. It is changing. You you just introduced this idea of the bus the business issue. Mm -hmm. um, can you just explain a little bit more? It seems blindingly obvious to me, but it would be interesting to to just, just discuss it. What is the business issue in terms of business success in ensuring balanced teams? What's what, what's your what's your so so I think I think at the decision making point, you know, at the at the board point um and at, in the leadership team's points, it's just so important to be able to have um the views heard of people from different genders. I mean it's I mean there's it's it's not just gender. I mean it's it's all different sort of varieties of people and um, but it, but the the gender point I think is really important. Um, I mean, a decision being made by say an all male group is not necessarily going to be a sound one because it's missing out the um, viewpoints of say you know fifty percent of of ultimately the the rest of the workforce. I mean because I mean we are I mean probably more I think we've got more women working in our firm than we do have men. Um, so I think it's dangerous to start making decisions in an unbalanced group. 
Um, and I mean, we can see that in everywhere. We can see that in governments and we can see that where things go wrong, horribly wrong in um, such totalitarian states. Um, we've got to have a, a way of um, decisions being made where the views of different groups are taken into account. Um, there is no way a, a group of one gender can make a balanced and sensible decision that is going to be impactful and um, sensible and um follow the needs of that other gender because they just don't know they haven't lived the same experiences they don't live the same experiences um and you know that's why it's so important to make group balanced decisions um because otherwise you're sort of you know all your sort of unconscious biases and whatnot will just you know never be challenged and you've got to be able to be challenged when you're making decisions particularly you know important ones that are going to impact people's lives this certainly doesn't sound like it applies to you Kirsty, in any sense but is there are there any cases where you see see women having to conform to a to perhaps the dominant male way of thinking in some businesses does that happen we, you know it does happen in some occasions where or or not not at all is that is that not an issue i i don't think so ag to be honest um <laughs> No, I don't think so. I I, I think it's I, I, that's not so much an issue. No, I think no. It's it, the issues are more around. Um, I think finding ways for women to um to believe in themselves and to push them into these sort of important positions in the first place. Much more than um, um than that. That's that's more my concern in terms of where we need to see improvement. But um, I don't think we have a situation where women feel they have to act a certain way or have to say certain things. Um, I think we have all we've all got much better things like meetings now. I think everyone now has been educated enough to, to be aware that you know people need to be able to have a voice in a meeting and that they need to not be intimidated. And um, you know that we've also grown up quite a bit, I think, as a firm in terms of actually understanding that some people's voice in a meeting doesn't often get heard, and often it's you know it can often be that quiet woman that's sitting there. So I think we. Um, I think we've all got a lot better um, and we sort of show a lot more empathy in terms of actually making sure that everyone can be heard. So I don't think that's an issue so much. No. But I'm sure I'm sure it is some places. Um, but it's that, yeah. that's exactly the sorts of things that we talk about quite a lot um, and just making sure that we're as inclusive as possible. Um, and um, we also try and avoid as many meetings as possible. That's another thing we try and do. Working with mm. your female work at working with your female colleagues and and mentoring them, no doubt, as you do. How what are the what are their concerns? What do they share with you in terms um, of thought, thoughts for the future? And and are they going to have to work twice as hard as their male colleagues in in order to progress as as you did? I don't think they will because I I just think they're 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 I don't think they're prepared to because I think they've got a much better sense of right and wrong now and I don't think they're scared to actually call it out. I think we were probably more scared to call things out. Um, we now very much encourage a culture where people actually do, you know, talk about things that are upsetting them and are worrying them, and um, we you know we work in such a way that um, you know, you're not going to be, um look down on or you're not going to be belittled and you're certainly not going to get in trouble for talking the truth so it's very much it's a very kind of different culture um now than it was then so no i think my female colleagues are quite good at being able to tell us what they think um and certainly um yeah bad behavior is just not something that is tolerated i think in the same 
exactly as it was, say, 20 years ago. Again, might be different, different organisations. But but no, I think um, I think that things are so different now. Um, you know, things like maternity leave are much better in terms of um, paying conditions, in terms of time off. Um, we are much more flexible in terms of um, ensuring that people can have roles to come back to that will work within their the needs that they've got in terms of childcare and whatnot. Um, so I don't think they are worried. I think actually they're quite. Um, I, I don't think I don't think female lawyers in AG will worry so much about gender um, that say I would have twenty years ago. I don't think they will see it as a barrier to partnership because, as I said, there's so many good, strong female role models, which I think is key to making people believe that anything is possible. And um, you know, I, I think as well. Um, we, the female that are working in our firm in particular, they're all at the top of their game. They're all smashing it in the park. They're all looking like they're enjoying themselves. I think um, they're the sorts of people that actually the youngest um, lawyers will actually aspire to be. I think when I was talking about my um, only female partner in my firm that I worked with when I was a trainee and I was kind of worried because it just looked very, very stressful. Um, I think we make a good show of actually not it not you know we I'm kind of conscious I don't want to make it look stressful I mean obviously everything is stressful to a certain degree in life it's very stressful but on the whole um, you know we we work and we we enjoy what we do and I think that in itself will encourage the youngsters to think that actually that's something I want to do and that's an important part of what I see as my own role is to actually um, show how rewarding and how much fun it can be um, no I mean I'm really optimistic. For for the future and the, and the, the new cohort of, of female partners coming through and um i think we're going to be in safe hands because they're they're going to be great um we're um yeah i think we're we're kind of blessed now we've got very very strong women coming through the buzz and enthusiasm and, and enjoyment that you get from your your work is is absolutely palpable and i I can imagine how fantastic it must be to work uh, for someone like you and uh, yeah. that that role modelling. But if I, if I, you, we talked quite a bit about twenty years ago, and I'm really intrigued by the idea of trying to see the long career as being an advantage. Uh, I, I I would agree with that. I th- actually think that's really something to think about. But mm-hmm. if you were to think mm-hmm. forwards just twenty years, what will be different from now, from twenty years ago? So over that forty year spread. What will the difference be? 20 oh my years goodness! On from well, there's so much has changed in that see. 20 years. I just think it's that's oh my goodness! I actually don't know, and I, I can't go over the rate of change just in the last 10 years. It's been incredible and um, exciting, actually, really, really exciting. Um, I suppose in 20 years' time, what what I would really like to see is, I suppose, is what we've touched on, you know, proper gender balance in terms of the equity partnership, the partners, um, real gender balance in terms of the leadership roles. Um, I would like it. I would like female leaders to be completely normalised. Um, I don't think they're normalised yet. Um, that's one of the biggest things, really. Is is just, and I would also really like the the caring split to be much more equal, and for that to be much more normalised as well. For men to be taking um, the the parental leave, you know, not women feeling like they're having they've got to take the, to take their all their leave, and the men doesn't take it. So I think that would be a huge help if we can get that into sort of into society where men and women take equal responsibility in those early years. I think that would be a huge help. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the world will be different. Of course, it's going to be hugely different. Um, I mean, the way that we work now is uh, has changed. You know, you just even obviously in the last two years. Um, 
I mean, it's funny, we, um, I think we all thought a couple of years ago that we'd all be remote working forever. And we, you know, we've been sort of, we've gone back to the office with gusto, actually. And it's been amazing. It's, I feel like the office is the future, actually. And I think people have really enjoyed getting back together. Um, so, I, but I think that we'll, we'll just continue to work in a way that actually fits into people's lifestyles more. I think um, it's, I think there'll be more of that. Um, and I think, yeah, the working, the work will be a, not as well, the law will never be a lifestyle job, but I think the way that we work will continue to evolve and to be um, to work within our lifestyles as well um, in a way that we it started. But I suspect that will evolve into something more. But yeah, no, I'm I'm optimistic about the future being female in law. I think it's um, I think we're in a great place. I say it's a great profession for women. It really suits women's qualities. It's a real kind of people job just you know you spend your entire day talking to your team or to your clients so it just it just suits a lot of the people um skills that often women have so um i am um, i've got i've got great optimism actually for the future i mean i've have i've said my daughter's quite keen on on being a lawyer and i'm fully supportive of that i think it's a great job to to have as a woman i wouldn't ever encourage anyone to um think that it was anything other than a job that you can do um really really well um as a woman and as long as you find a firm that's supportive like Adelshaws and I'd say most legal firms are now um you'll absolutely fly but um yeah let's see it's all about role models give them role models and um I think that's that's a huge part of of how you you keep women in the profession and um and allow them to have really successful careers yeah, well, well, Kirsty, it comes as no surprise to 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 imagine that your your daughter is enthusiastic about going into the legal profession, having a, having a mother like you and the role model that you've provided. But I also think that any any young women or or even young lawyers, young female lawyers who are listening to listening to this, will be hugely um, enthused and encouraged by the future. So thank you very much for for joining us this evening, and I really appreciate you giving up your time, your precious time, on a Sunday evening. Okay, all the best. Thank you very Not much. Not at all. My pleasure, Don. Lovely to meet you. Speak soon.